The Sports Walk is back. Watch season four of Backpack Broadcasting's original award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets, literally in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. Podcast episode 203. Dexter Henry Brian Fonseca here. Sure. Hopefully, everybody is well. Their belly is full after Thanksgiving. Last week, we had the Thanksgiving draft. It looks like I have a Yankee hoodie and you got a Mets one, but mine's just dead ass with the Yankee. Yeah, it does because we know you don't rep, rep that team in the Bronx. No. We, don't do, we, don't, we don't do that <laughs> over here. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, B? Oh, it was very eventful. Um, I, I, it was like being in the music video for Swimming Pools by Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> you know, I got very turnt on Thursday. Um, oh, well, it was, it was good. Shots. And then Friday, I had one of my favorite days in a while because I promised myself that I've earned a day off. And, fr- and I was like, look, I'm not going to do shit. And Friday, all I did was play FIFA and Madden and... That was my day for the most part. I think I played Battlefield a little bit too, but like that's all I did. It was amazing. It was so amazing. I made my own team in FIFA also, San Lorenzo FC. You know what I'm saying? And we're gonna we're gonna get with it with another. I'm I'm gonna pick a club, probably Huddersfield Town, as we discussed. Uh, there you go. Them, see if I can get them promoted to EP the the EPL first league. I gotta tell you though, FIFA. Woo! That shit is hard. You talk about like remember we've shared war stories about. Being a GM in 2K, yeah. no joke. But it's fun. No it's, it's fun. fun. No, I, I'm good. I'm glad to hear this. I've been trying to good. get Mariano off of Real Madrid for a long time because he's Dominican. Can't do it. His, his agent's <laughs> playing hardball with me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm hyped because Puerto Rico just beat Cuba today in FIBA World Cup qualifiers 69-60. So we're one and one after losing to Mexico. I'm, la- I'm laughing because nobody nobody pays attention to World Cup qualifying like Brian. Nobody. 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 I'm nobody. like, I'm tweeting about it. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if I don't get engagement for this or whatever. I'm letting the people know that I am paying attention to this shit. Isaiah Thomas, by the way, like my tweet. Uh, when I was shouting him out for getting 21 points in uh, their win against Cuba yesterday. So. Yeah, because Isaiah Thomas never thought anybody would be shouting him out <laughs> for his 21 points in his win against Cuba. Hey, that's, a, that's for sure. There's a site I'm talking to. Like, we've already talked about. I may write a couple things there regarding this stuff and obviously NBA and other stuff. But, you know, we'll we'll see. I'm going to shut up until, like, the deal is. Yeah, I, yeah we'll, we'll see what we have to talk. <laughs> we have to have a segment about, about World Cup qualifying basketball and whatnot. Good. I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving. I had one as well. Uh, we have a guest with us joining us good today. Good play, by the way. You sent the photo. What photo? You sent the photo. Oh, the play. plate. Thursday. I thought you said the play. No, oh, good, good plate. plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The play game was strong, man. The food I cooked came out 
great. I so I, I, I was happy. I did the same thing as you. I did nothing on Friday except for relaxing, eating drinks. So it was good. Hopefully our guest rocking with us today, he had a good Thanksgiving as well. That is our friend, the blackatologist, Jamal Murphy, joining us here. Murph, what up, man? What up, what up, what up? It's the deal. Uh, ain't, ain't much, man. You know Murph's work. He is the co-host of the Bros Pod. You also catch his work on The Undefeated. He just had a recently a really dope article about uh, recruiters and how people are looking and hiring college coaches, particularly African-American coaches. You know, how they only trying to let us in spaces and stuff like that. We got to figure out ways to make this work. Uh, but a good article from Murph on that. Murph, how was your Thanksgiving? You heard Brian talk about uh, what he did. How was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, my, my wild Thanksgivings, I think, are gone. You know, they're behind me. I just, you know, it's all about family. You know, I got I got the little kids, little kids to watch out for, so I can't wild out. Uh, you know, so it was nice, nice and chill. Uh, I was out in Philly with my uh, younger sister, my mom, who are out there. So it was all good. You know, the food was good. Family was good. That's now, what's up. Now, to I, I want to know from you guys. I don't feel like I've had any wild Thanksgivings. I well, guess to, I've been doing it right. I, I, <laughs> I kind of have. But to be clear, I was not doing the wilding out. Oh, that's I a shock. Was, that's a, I said swimming pools by Kendrick Lamar. Because remember, Kendrick ain't the one wilding in the music video. He's watching uh, the wilding. You know? We got so, you. We yeah. got you. Yeah. We got you. Well, before we get into it, I don't know. If you're a Mets fan of the Mets... The way they're spending, they might be wilding out because you haven't seen them spending <laughs> like this in quite some time. Okay. I am, I, guys. I don't know how to feel about all this. I don't know how to feel about these Mets offseason moves. There's a lot of action. I think the biggest thing we got to talk about is as the day we're recording this, they agreed to a three-year deal with Max Scherzer, where he's going to be paid forty-three million dollars a year annually. There was an opt-out in year two for him. I didn't see this coming. I didn't think the Mets had any chance to land Scherzer. He was 37. Brian told me before the podcast he's coming off the best ERA of his career last year, which I also did not realize. 246. 2.46. And he's going yeah. to turn, turn 38 next year. All right. I'm going <laughs> to let y'all talk about it first. How are you feeling about that move first before we get to the other ones. How you feel about Max Scherzer? Uh, Murph, we'll kick it off with you. How do you feel about this deal? Hey, man, I feel good. You know, I just, you know, as a lifelong Mets fan, it's very rare that they spend money uh, like this. We got a new owner. We got Cohen as the owner. He's, he's pulling his uh, Steinbrenner, you know, pulling out the money. Um, so I, I'm just happy that they're spending money. Kind of reminds me of when, you know, years back when they went and got Beltron and Delgado, uh, Pedro Martinez, and that's the last time I, re I can remember them really spending, going out there and spending money when uh, Omar Minaya was was the GM. Uh, and this is this is probably, you know, beyond that, like you said, a, an unprecedented deal for Scherzer. I know, yes, he's, you know, he's older, 37, 38, but like Brian said, you know, 246 ERA last year, he hasn't declined yet. So, you know, he gives us that one year, maybe two. I'll, I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, matching him up with the, with the Grom in the rotation. Uh, Walker uh, will fill that rotation out. And then, you know, the moves they made on the, on the uh, offensive side of the ball have been, so, have been good so far. I'm just waiting to see what happens with Baez. And if they can re-sign Baez, then 
I'm good. I'm good to go. All right. Good to go. Ryan, how you feeling about this? Looking at Max Scherzer's baseball reference. Having a good time, I got to say. Uh, <laughs> eight All-Star games, three Cy Young Awards. And you may think he's not that dude anymore. But look, since 2013, since 2013, this is where he's finishing Cy Young voting. First, fifth, fifth, first, first, second, third. No place because it was COVID. And then third. Uh, the COVID year, he wasn't as strong, but he actually was still, you know, 374 ERA. That would have been one of the best pitchers on the Mets last season. That's for damn sure. And that's the thing for me. It's like I I wanted them to keep Marcus Stroman. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like, as was sort of hinted at, they wanted to go bigger uh, and, in theory, better. He is better than Marcus Stroman, but I still think that there is room for Marcus Stroman on this team, even now if they wanted to make that happen, because I think Stroman's going to get shit half of what Scherz is getting annually. Uh, and that's probably the high end of it. I was thinking something along the lines of five years and a hundred ish million for Marcus Stroman. We'll see what ends up happening, but I don't think, I don't expect him to come back, but really as far as Scherzer in particular, putting the Grom and Scherzer is dream team type of stuff. These don't always go well in sports, but I'm expecting it to, you know, I'm expecting it to work out. I'm hoping it'll work out, especially as a meth fan. And then when you're looking at the rest of the rotation, you have the Grom, you have Scherzer, and in theory, you're looking at Taiwan Walker being third, and you know from there it's probably Carlos Carrasco, David Peterson. You still have Tyler McGill, uh, who did okay last year. He's better than Peterson last year, actually. Um, we'll see if they're gonna, you know, call anybody up. I was looking at their forty-man roster. There's some names you recognize, but none that will excite you. Maybe they're a veteran away. They could add a veteran piece to that, and somebody else like Carlos Carrasco come out of the bullpen to start the season. I don't know, but. I love DeGrom, Scherzer, and Taiwan Walker as their one, two, three on paper. We'll see what happens the rest of the way um, aside from that. But look, man, they're they're putting their money where their mouth is. I've been challenging Steve Cohen like, yo, money's not going to be an issue. Fucking spend the money. And he spent a lot of money on a guy who's one of the, I don't know, three, four best pitchers of his generation. So for me, it's crazy because – just the way this offseason went. You know, we, we started off talking about their front office moves and how everything looked bad. They couldn't hire a GM, and they finally are able to hire a GM. Um, then we find out, you know, Syndergaard, I was pissed off about that a couple of weeks ago. They couldn't resign Syndergaard to the one-year deal. Then you hear Cohen, who was unprofessional, I might add, in tweeting about his dealings with Matt's agent. And all that, and him not being able to bring Mats. I didn't really want Mats back. I thought he needed to go pitch somewhere else. I'm not sure he could really pitch in New York. For them to, and I know we'll get into the other moves, but for them to get Scherzer shocked me. I didn't think they'd even be in the running to spend the money. I think that's how scarred we are as Mets fans. We don't even, even when we have an owner, an ownership that's got some money, we still don't think that they're going to spend it. So I was shocked. Do I have some concerns about his age? Yes, but he pitched a two four six ERA last year. Now, don't know when the cliff is coming. We've talked about some other things about how it can come quick for different players in all different sports. I don't know when that's happening. But look, if DeGrom is back on his game and this guy's on his game, I mean, the Mets got probably the best one-two punch in baseball. They're going for it. They're trying to win the World Series. I think that matters. And – that should excite the Mets fan base. Um, I like to see them do some other things, and we'll get into the other moves they did. 
I too, like Brian, would have loved to see if they could bring Strowman back. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, but if somehow they could still pay and keep him as a number three starter, that would be fantastic. But we'll see. I understand why some Mets fans are going to have trepidation. I understand why they're going to be a little bit concerned. I think a lot of it will be the age and the the you know possibility of injury history here. But here's the thing. If they get two good years out of Scherzer, right? Two, when I say by two good years, I mean even years that are like what he pitched last year. Let's say you get two more of those and you get to a World Series and dare I even say win a World Series, yo, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Like nobody's going to be talking about how bad the last year of the contract is. Yep. Nobody's going to care about that at all. This is what it comes down to. When you make a move like this, you're basically saying World Series title or bust. When's the last time we were able to say that about the Mets guys? It's been a long time. So the fact that they're going for it, yeah, he might be old. Hopefully he's able to pitch good for a couple of years. But I like that they're going for it. I think that means something. And on top of that, like, I, I don't think Met fans have a bunch of room to complain here because uh, this is what they wanted, right? They wanted, like, splashy, big name, big money sort of free agent signings. This one wasn't quite on my radar, Max Scherzer in particular. Like, I don't recall ever having a discussion about potentially him being a part of the Mets. But now that you see the sort of vision play out, it makes sense because they let Syndergaard walk. They're, it looks like they're going to let Stroman walk. Agree or disagree with those decisions? That is what it is. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm I'm not as down on the Syndergaard move as uh, as Dexter is because I'm just not as much of a fan of Syndergaard personally because I think he just wants to throw hard all the fucking time. But I do think that there's something to be said for them not wanting to match uh, that offer because it's like that's not a ton of money for them to do that. And then you add the Scherzer point of it, it's like, oh, the Syndergaard thing doesn't even matter at this point. So, I mean, we'll see. And Syndergaard hasn't even been good in a couple of years because he hasn't really pitched in a couple of years like that consistently. So there's that part of it as well. Yeah, I think I think as a Met fan, at least for me, I think, you know, you, when you're a Met fan, you kind of you, you watch these young kids grow and you and, and you, there's like a sentimental aspect to it where you want, you know, you want to see Syndergaard really succeed as a Met because, you know, we saw the beginnings of what he could be. So I think that's part of it. Even the Conforto situation, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I thought, you know, Conforto had a terrible year last year. But, you know, I've always liked this game. You Same. Know, I, I always think he, he always thought he was really clutch. Even last year when he would come to bat and he's and he was batting barely 200, I, I had faith that he was going to have a, a big at bat in a big moment. <laughs> and, and and sometimes he did, even even with even in during a terrible season. So, you know, that one kind of hurt me a little bit. But, you know, I mean, like you said, as Mets fans, we're so used to not being in the mix with free agents, uh, not spending the money. I don't see how as a Mets fan you could be you could be down on them actually doing this. And you look at, you know, at the model, who, who's been the most consistent National League team in the last few years? It's been the Dodgers, Dodgers. Uh, spending all that money. So, you know, we, we got to get in the game and, and do the same thing. And, and, you know, we took, a, we took a player from the Dodgers. So it has to be a good sign. That's good. All right, so what do you guys feel about these other moves? Starlin Marte Woo! was a move I liked. Uh, four years, $78 million. Versatile outfielder. Always loved him. Professional hitter. 
I think he's he's clearly an upgrade of what they needed in the outfield. He talked about Conforto wasn't getting the job done last year. Uh, Murph, what did you th- what did you think about the Marte addition? Did you like that too? I like I like the addition. You know, um, I'm not you know I'm I'm not a hundred percent sold on him, uh, but you know he's he's never been a, a superstar. I guess we're not asking him to be that. But then you look at you know he's, he's played a, you know tops about 120 games, you know over the past few years. Uh, so you know I'm a little worried about what what we'll get from him. He's 33, uh, so he should have a couple of years left. Um, but you, you talk like I, I'm more worried about him not producing than I am Scherzer. I mean, which which makes sense because uh-huh. Scherzer's the superstar, but he but he is older, um, you know. So I, I'm hoping it works out. Uh, but I, you know, I, we've we've seen this deal before too. When we get, you, you know, we spend a lot of money on on these outfielders who are in their in their thirties and they don't quite produce. And you know, let's see, in New York, we always underestimate uh, guys coming to New York from other places, and we we expect them to to produce at the same level right away. And then it takes them a year at at, at least, as we saw with Lindor last year. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm optim I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, but like I said, I'm I'm where I, I need the big gun uh, bias to come back because he because I know he'll produce because he did it. Yeah, I, I so before we get, I'll get to bias in a second. Uh, <laughs> I'll get to bias in a second. Uh, Brian, did you like Marte as much as I did, or do you have the trepidation of Murphys? You know what, Starling Marte lead or led rather. You know what, Starling Marte led Major League Baseball in last year, guys. Fights? Stolen bases. And that's what the fuck I want to see. He had 47 stolen bases okay, last okay, year. Okay. And he just turned uh, 32 years old. So, or 33 years old, as a matter of fact. So he has a four-year deal. I mean, you know, that's fine. They gave Curtis Granderson three, uh, four years when he was like the same age. So it is what it is. And that, was, that actually ended up being a pretty good deal. Yeah. Good deal. So I remember Granderson being like roughly around the same age. Starling Marte is a career 290 hitter. And me... Baseball watcher and fucking tired of people batting 240, 230, 220, 210 and getting big ass contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I love that they at least got a dude that can hit a guy with speed with some pop in his bat. He has a couple of recent seasons where he's had 20 home runs and 70 to 80 RBIs uh, when he's played the whole season. This past year, he missed some games. He played 120. But before that, He's been relatively healthy. So you look at 61 games during 2020, but that was the COVID season. He actually led the league. Uh, 132, 145, had an injury in 2017. Then there's a lot of 100, whatever the fucks. All right. So I'm not like super worried about his health, although he's going to put on a Mets uniform. So I guess like, you know, that there'll probably be some voodoo <laughs> that comes with that shit. But look, Starling Marte was my favorite signing that they've made so far. As far as the position players go, he's coming off a season where he hit 310. Uh, if you look at his batting averages throughout his career, it's just 280, 290, 300, 310 all over the place. He was, I was shocked to find out he was only an all-star once with Pittsburgh because I remember him in Pittsburgh being really good with Andrew McCutcheon, with Josh Bell and those boys to quote Stephen A. Smith. Um, and he has a couple gold gloves and they need that in the outfield because, you know, their fielding hasn't necessarily been tremendous over the last few years. So I like that they got him. He's going to play damn good center field. And I love the fact that they got a Dominican, you know, dude in New York City, because I keep telling you guys, you got to get the Latinos in New York City. We're going to be all right. 
You know what I'm saying? Like Lindor, he wasn't hitting at the beginning. I don't think that's pressure necessarily or anything like that. I just think, you know, baseball shit happens. He was picking it up toward the end. And I think if they get his boy Javier Baez back, everybody going to be all right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, which means they got to get uh, McNeil out of there, who he doesn't mess with. Um, I <laughs> So I love I love the Marte move. I think he's a professional hitter. Everything Brian said, I rock with all that. Let's go to Baez real quick. Who you guys want him back? Yes. I and I also want to make note of something. Brian mentioned with Marte the stolen bases. I actually didn't realize that he leads the league in stolen bases. Two hundred ninety six career stolen bases. Starting I love that. stolen bases. I hate that it's out the game pretty much, and there aren't a lot of guys that steal. So to have a professional guy who could steal, if he can get close to fifty bases next year, that's great. I love. I miss that part of the game. So the fact that the Mets are even valuing that. And signing a guy is dope to me. Um, I like Tobias. I like Baez. He plays hard. I do. He's a little streaky for me. But I do like the fact that he cares. Didn't like his boo and the fan thing that he did last year. But I do think he gives a damn. And he's one of them guys that give you a lot. Brian's smiling because this is a Brian Fonseca MLB all-star right here. <laughs> he gives you a little bit of a moxie like they like to say. He's a little streaky for my liking. A little bit too streaky. But I just think he, he'll be good. He'll fire up the clubhouse. He'll get it ready. He runs the bases hard. Sometimes does a little bit too much. Some boneheaded mistakes. He'll chase high fastballs, that kind of thing. But I always do think you kind of need a guy with some fuck you on the team. Yeah, Bias has some fuck you. And I, I kind of, <laughs> I fuck with that to a degree. Right? Like, I, 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 I like that. I just get concerned about him. And what he said with the fans, but I think he's a guy who could play in New York. Murph, do you feel that way? Do you think? Because like, even though he did the bull thing with the fans, I never got the sense that he couldn't handle the stage. Does that make no. sense? No. And, and if he couldn't have, that's when you. That's when he would have folded after all that. Facts. But what he that's did true. was that's he true. actually Great played point. better. He played better after after that happened because, and that's that's what you need. This is a guy. He embraces pressure. He plays his best when there's pressure. And you talk about Hispanics in New York, Brian. I mean, you know, obviously, you know this. Puerto Ricans love bias. Okay, you no, know, my wife's Puerto Rican. Her sister, obviously. I mean, they they love bias. I mean, my, my sister-in-law. I mean, uh, loves that dude. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I know he he resonates. Chicago, the whole Puerto Rican community in Chicago, they he, they worshipped him. Um, so I think he fits perfectly. And like you said, I mean, he just brings a lot to the table, brings that fire. I think he makes uh, Lindor better. Uh, he he brings the fire out in Lindor. Um, you said he is streaky, no doubt, but he he always ends up around that you know a little under three hundred level hitting. Um, he's gonna get he's gonna get you close to thirty home runs at least you know every year you know so he's gonna he's streaky, but it all comes around to to him giving you those numbers. Great fielder. We didn't we didn't mention yeah, that. Yeah, he's a fantastic fielder. Uh, so, and that just, you know, that infield with him and Lindor, I mean, it just makes it so solid. Uh, I th- you know, I'm worried. I actually would be surprised. I'm actually deep down would be surprised if they do re-sign him. Uh, I just hmm. I just feel like I could, you know, where, where, are the, where are the rumors of him going? Other places? I know before it was, he might go back to Chicago. Detroit Tigers, et cetera, you know, et cetera. I don't think, I don't think Francisco is going to let that happen. Yeah, you know I, 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 don't I don't think. think that, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think so look. I think I, I honestly do as a big part of him coming here 
was the idea that they would keep him and Lindor together as their second base yep. shortstop combo, which on paper gives the Mets their best second base shortstop combo since I don't even fucking know when. Um, and the fielding point is an important one, Murph, because like that's something that Lindor and McNeil reportedly never sort of got the same page on. And McNeil, not an awesome fielder, but Baez, like the infield was better when he was out there. And uh, as I'm looking at some of the numbers, small sample size because he was only with the Mets for a couple months. But goddamn, after a slow start, he really picked it up. And he ended up batting 299 in 186 plate appearances with the Mets over four Wow, I actually games. didn't realize he was that close to 300 I so, didn't, in his time with the Mets. Wow. And in his in his career, he bat, he's a 265 hitter, which, I mean, look, even before this, you know, dead ball era, that's not terrible or whatever the case may be, right? But now, shit, I would love if he would bat 265 because – and the streakiness sort of – like, I wish he struck out less. You know what I mean? Like he's a free I, I, swinger. That's yeah, yeah. Like he, like he, he has a big swing, a wide swing. I wish that he could short it up a little bit. But look, he still had 31 home runs, 87 RBIs last year, and the streakiness doesn't bother me as much because I'm I'm picturing the Mets lineup, right? I'm picturing Brandon Nimmo hitting first, Starling Marte second, or you could flip that, whatever the case may be. I think I I would prefer Marte second because he's a better hitter than Nimmo, and I like him batting right before Lindor. I would keep Lindor third. Um, because I do think that, you know, he's going to start to pick it up and you're going to have other hitters around him, which is going to help uh, if they stay healthy. Peter Alonso four, and then Javi Baez fifth. If my fifth hitter is batting 260, 265 and giving me 30 yeah, home runs, you know what I mean? 80 RBIs, whatever the case may be, then I'm great with that. And then from there, you're going to have some of the other guys we haven't talked about yet. Eduardo Escobar is probably going to be next. And I like that signing. I was surprised at how cheap he came to. Um, Kanha from Oakland. <laughs> who's also coming over so they got uh they got him as well and he's gonna play corner outfield look i i ain't gonna lie to you i have not seen the dude play like that that much <laughs> haven't been watching a lot of oakland a's baseball when i saw his baseball reference that that's the only team he's played on i was like okay that explains why i haven't really heard too much from this dude uh his numbers didn't look awesome but you know i'll take everybody's word for it that say that that's a pretty good signing and then your eight and nine hitters if there's a universal dh uh are gonna be at this point Dom Smith and Brian McCann, that's a fantastic lineup. So I'm rolling with that. Yeah, what do you guys think of those other I, – I agree. I think the lineup could be fine. What do you think of those other uh, signings, Eduardo Escobar, Matt Canha? Did you like those, Murph? I didn't know a damn thing about Canha either. I've like, <laughs> I, I, I been, been watching my Oakland A's baseball. Uh, but uh, what do you think of those signings? Yeah, I, li- I like them for the money. Um, solid players. Uh, you know, like like you, I don't, I didn't know too much about them. But when you look, you look at them, you you you, t- you talk to people who have seen them play uh, extensively, where they were. Uh, you know, they're very solid professional baseball players with with experience uh, and can play different positions. So uh, you know, I like I like you know all those moves, and and, and like we said, there's probably more to come. I'm I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. They got they got to show up a little bit of the bullpen. I don't know what we do. What you know uh, is uh, familiar coming back because I feel like he's I feel like he's he's been there like ten years and and blowing blowing <laughs> blowing games for ten years and he comes back every year. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 always, I, I don't I know what bad. their reliever situation is. I just I think know he's that. got another year on his contract. I always feel bad for familiar because like damn man, twenty fifteen he was so good. Until the World Series. Right. right. <laughs> he, was so, he was so good until the World Series. And that's where I just feel so bad for him. But the next no, year I think he blew the wild card game also. 
against the Giants. Against the Giants, that is correct. He's a, he's a, I just looked it up. He's a free agent. Although okay. I do know this, Miguel Castro's uh, uh, still under contract. Seth Lugo's still under contract, which is good. Okay, good. Uh, Selman, I believe, is still under contract because he's on the forty man roster. Didn't have a great year last year, uh, if I remember correctly. No, um, Edwin Diaz is still Edwin under Diaz. contract. Uh, he started off well last year, and then it got bumpy, and then he was good again. Then it got bumpy, and that's kind of been the experience so far with Edwin Diaz. And the that's thing the experience with, Ed- with every Mets closer. Yeah. That, yeah. That's true, right? Like he's got the Armando <laughs> Benitez syndrome. So the thing with Edwin Diaz is like, I like, I mean, look, I'm cool with him being the closer, but like, I hope Seth Lugo is healthy too. And uh, I'll, I'll just say that much. And I love to, 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 to talk about the uh, – to talk about – I still believe in you, Edwin. Uh, but, you know, you yeah. got to – Yeah, it's great gotta, stuff. But his, The thing with him is, like, he's – I think he's legitimately good. His bad moments are really bad. And at the that's worst the times. Problem. At the worst times. And, worst time. and, that, and that's time. really – that's a Mets closer characteristic. Right? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They, they might get you 40 plus saves and only have about, you know, eight <laughs> to 10 blown saves in the season, which if you look at stats, that's good. But but the, but those eight to 10 blown saves are like must wins. You know what I'm saying? And, and six so, of them came in September. That's how it was. Yeah, right. Six like that, September. That's, that's sort of what it is. And to put a bow on our mess conversation, Eduardo Escobar, just a couple of things on him, right? So it looks like J.D. Davis is not going to come back, which, you know, it's not going to break my heart necessarily. Although if they wanted to keep him coming off the bench and figure out a way to do that, I would not be mad at that at all. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Eduardo Escobar at third base, though, he was an all-star last year, which I think surprised, surprised Dexter when I told him that. Um, in baseball, I think every team does have at least one all-star, however the fuck that works. But look, he had a good year last year, 28 home runs, 90 RBIs, um, played with the Diamondbacks and played with the Brewers for a little bit because he got traded, uh, hit 253. If he can mirror some of that, I was surprised to learn that he actually led the league in triples a couple of years ago. Um, Eduardo Escobar he's got some did. Speed. I like. I like that. Some you know, speed on this team. Like he's not a base stealer, but he's a guy. Like he has almost forty, uh, almost forty career triples. Um, and over the last, like especially the last five years or so, you're looking at on average twenty-ish home runs and you know significant 80, 90 RBIs. In twenty nineteen, he had thirty-five home runs and one hundred and eighteen RBIs with Arizona. But the thing is, he's been with Arizona, so people hadn't really like paid that much right. attention. So I like the fact that it got some guys that whether they're base stealers or not got some speed can run the bases. But guys, we might be forgetting somebody who's actually still supposed to be on the roster next year. That is Robinson Cano. Anybody excited <laughs> to see Robinson <laughs> Cano <laughs> with true? this Mets team? Yes, I forgot about true. that. I forgot yes, about that. Yes, that's true. Yeah, he has yes, like two. Or, he has like two or no, three years left. I believe that. I believe this is the last year for Robinson Cano. I'm gonna look. But I mean, does yeah. anybody want to see Robinson Buy Cano him out. back on this team? Buy him out. Oh, how old is Robinson Cano now? I got. 40? I, I'm I believe right now. Hold on. I believe he's forty. I'm sure he, he can still. I'm sure he can still hit. hit. Right. Yeah, he can still hit. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. he should be the universal DH, I guess. Oh, uh, that's not a bad DH in spots. He's thirty nine. He's thirty nine years old, and his contract. I don't know why they don't just buy him out, but and he actually. I forgot that he's actually already been with the team for three seasons. He just didn't play last year. And his batting average with the Mets is good. Like he hit three sixteen during the COVID season. Yeah, he played really well during the COVID season. I mean, but granted, we know why the- he might have played well during the COVID season. <laughs> Just saying. But to answer your question about the contract, which if you remember, ten years, two hundred forty million, and uh, the the Mariners are still sharing 
like a, a portion of that with the Mets, I believe. Uh, I don't think it's a large portion, but yeah. So he's going to get paid two more years. He's owed money in 2022 and 2023, and then he is an unrestricted free agent. So he has two years <laughs> left on so this contract. <laughs> he has two years left on this contract. Hey, I think you could buy him out. Steve Cohen, you got the bread. Well, like, you just, you know. Bread. If you want to do that, I don't know because I don't know what you're keeping Cano for necessarily. Clubhouse leader. Yeah, I wouldn't Wait, call him that at this let me, point. Let me, let me ask you guys. This I, <laughs> I I genuinely don't know this. I don't think I think I know the answer, but I'm not sure. A lot of basketball going on. I've been paying attention to. Do we have a manager yet? No. <laughs> the answer is no. No. Okay. no. Yes, no. So. Which which makes it, which if you think about it makes these moves impressive, but also kind of funny because what you're saying is. I'm going to build this team. If you like this roster, you damn sure will come and manage it. You I have an idea. Come. I have an idea of what you can do. No, player, player manager. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I am thinking I am thinking player, and I am thinking Latino. A Beltran. Couple, a couple Bring years Carlos ago. Beltran no, you tried to get Carlos Beltran. No, you nah. got Carlos Beltran, did the whole introduction, whatever, and then because he hit a couple cans, you I fucking you. kicked him I out. Meanwhile, right, and Cora's back. And Alex yeah. Cora's back. Doing it's his like, thing. no, get Carlos Beltran like you tried to do two years ago. By I, the way, I, like this. Don't, I don't think this was Rojas's fault. I don't no, think he necessarily no. should have been fired. But he was but, a young manager. He made a lot of young mistakes. Right, but if you're Great. going to do it, like, yo. It's, it's Carlos Beltran time, baby. Who I, better I, to manage look. this team? You got fucking Lindor. You might bring back Baez. Edwin Diaz is still on the roster. You know what I'm saying? He's you got Starling Marte now. Like you, you need somebody to, you know, you need somebody to sort of keep everything, keep, keep everything. The Latinos together. Yeah, yeah. The only, you know the only I mean? thing with Beltran, I never. Here. Only thing with Beltran, I never could picture him as a manager. Can you guys picture that? I can. Yo, I can, man. I, I don't think I felt this way until. When he was on the Yankees, and I was yeah. around that team a little bit, doing some stuff for Marley Rivera for ESPN Deportes, and I could see it. You know what you could just see in the guy? Their presence in the clubhouse, the way he talked to the guys in the pregame warmers, just this presence he had about him. And that's why I bought in when the Mets hired him. I was like, yo, mm. I think this is going to be a very good hire. And I'm, I actually didn't talk to Brian about this, but I was really impressed with the fact that Brian brought this up because I was like, yo, I think they should go back to Beltran. I think this would be a good move. I really do. Like, I really think that going back to Beltran would be a good move. And like you said, why not? Alex Kors managing there in Boston. Everybody seems to forgot about it. Yeah. Ain't nobody. Did, was anybody really crying about the Astros in the World Series? No. I was rooting not for really. them. Yeah, I was rooting for them because that's how much I dislike the other team with the racist name and the racist chop. We know what that's about, oh, right? Yeah. So, and Cora brought his team to the, to, to the ALCS, by the way. Like right. The Red Sox were shockingly good last year in the postseason. Right. Oh, Cor- there's no question. He's a he's a great manager. He's a good manager. Nobody nobody's thinking about it now. Nobody's questioning it. I think the climate is. What I'm saying is, I think the climate is right where you could bring Beltran back. Yes. And nobody's going to be crying over about it or saying this is the worst thing in the world. Shit, you already hired him. You already had the press conference. We don't even need to see that again. Hold the 15 <laughs> jersey. Let's keep it rocking. That's and it. and I will just add this point. If you want to get the best out of Francisco Lindor, you know what I'm saying? You might want to get Carlos Beltran. And Baez. And Baez. I'll tell you what. They go get Beltran, that'll make it a really good offseason. Yes. I'd be very happy. With, I'd be very happy with that. But, yes, Murph, they do not have a manager, and they're still out here making all of these moves. I don't know what that says, but 
I like it. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit of basketball. Because the NBA season, we're about a quarter way through. Most teams have played about 20 games. And I like this time because this is like, and I'm going to talk about this on the exchange later this week. Like, who's real? Who's fake? Are we seeing phony people? We've seen our man, Gerard Hector. He's already, right now, wants to proclaim the Warriors champions. You know what I'm saying? People were jumping off the Knicks bandwagon. People think the Nets are finished. You know, all sorts of craziness. What have you guys made from the first 20 games of this season? Is there anything that we can take from what we've seen thus far in the NBA? You don't got to sigh, Brian. No, because I'm just just thinking about, like, when you asked this, like, the first team I thought about is the Lakers because they're just a fucking bummer to watch right now. (laughs) Like, honestly, like, I, like, I... I don't hate watch them necessarily, but I do not enjoy watching them when they're on TV. I'm just kind of like, ah, like they just don't look uh, as aesthetically pleasing as you would expect a LeBron James run team to sort of look. Part of that is because he's been out, but even when he's played, they, I mean, they haven't looked awesome. They just lost to the Kings at home. They lost to the Boston Celtics in Boston by like 22 without Jalen Brown even playing. And LeBron was there. Like the Lakers to me are like, I was trying to think about my big uh, sort of letdown so far during a quarter of the way through because I'm impressed with the Bulls. Um, I'm still not quite a believer in them in terms of like thinking that they're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever the case may be. Uh, But that's more of a testament to the East being so good. But I do like the Bulls and I enjoy watching them and I love what Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball do defensively. Um, The Wizards are good. I mean, well, they'll get to the play-in. So they're pretty good. The Celtics, I don't know. But the Lakers, man, they're the team that's sort of like, they're the team where I'm like, ah, man, they're they're the ones that I probably had higher expectations for. I was a little shaky on them to begin with because of their roster construction, but like they're, you know, is Trevor Ariza going to be the savior? Is Kendrick Nunn going to be the savior? Like, I don't know. I don't see where this is going to, like, this feels very, (laughs) this feels very 2004-ish Lakers to me where they got Carl Malone and Gary Payton in that team. Like, people have made that comparison. I think it's actually a fair one. And I remember hating on that team when I was fucking 9, 10 years old. I did not want that team to win the, fi- the championship. Didn't, didn't, they, didn't that team get to the finals? Yeah, and they got yeah. their yeah. asses They lost to the Detroit. So they're, they're, way, they're way better than this one. They're way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I, think, I think, yeah, but I, and to me, like, the West has a clear top three. With Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. Ah, uh, yeah. uh, you know what, what? What was that? What team was that again? Utah. There you go. In the regular season, go. but in terms of what happens from here, 
Because Murph and I ain't buying the Utah Jazz. You know what I'm saying? You know, well, I would I would love to. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not with it with them. But don't get it twisted. I'm not either. But okay. Denver now with MPJ out and Jamal Murray potentially out, like, you know, I don't know what to expect from them. And then Cle- uh, Cleveland. The Clippers are kind of my dark horse in case Kawhi Leonard comes back. But the West has a clear hierarchy, but I don't think it's impenetrable. Same thing with the East. I think, you know, it's still Nets, Bucks. The Heat are probably third, but I don't think they're impenetrable either. So I think this is going to be like this. There's going to be some parity here and injuries are going to really swing this shit. So I'd agree. So go ahead, Murph. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we were, we were talking about this on, you know, in the chat earlier today. And I just feel like to me, it's the season. It, it, the you know team wise it's been it's just been really much weaker than i think we thought it would be um because of teams uh, that we expected to be very good to be at the top you know upper echelon teams that have all kind of problems you got the nets of course no Kyrie, uh basically you know no harden you know he's not much better than he was when he was on one leg last season you got uh you know the lakers you just talked about who are struggling uh, worse than I thought. And I and I was not high on the Lakers coming in, uh, but I didn't expect them to be this bad. And you look at, like, you know, uh, Anthony Davis, and he's the key to me. He, he was the, We all agreed that he was going to be the key to the season, and he has been borderline terrible. Uh, you know, they, anytime LeBron James is not in the game, is not, a, you know, is out for a game, and you expect AD to... to you know, to carry the team uh, to at least, you know, be competitive. And he's just, he, he's just not there. And, and it's West, we're all, we're all complaining about Westbrook, but, but what's uh, Anthony Davis doing? So that's, that's an issue. Philadelphia is not the team we thought they'd be obviously because of no Ben, Ben Simmons. So that's another team that's not in the mix. Denver, we talked about the injuries They're you know, they're not a contender without Jamal Murray. Um, and, you know, the, the Clippers, no Kawhi. Uh, you know, I, from everything that, that we're hearing so far, it doesn't look like he's he's going to come back. So it just seems like it's almost like a watered-down NBA right now, and you have a team like Golden State that's able to take advantage. Uh, Phoenix, almost for Phoenix, it's, it seems like it's pretty much the same for them as it was late last season in the playoffs, that, you know, everybody else is decimated. So, hey, here we come. We're going to take advantage. We're going to take We're going to take this seriously. I was at the Nets game. Uh, when Phoenix destroyed them, I know the the score was a little closer at the end. Mm-hmm. The Nets only lost by six, but the Nets were never in that game, and really it was just a mentality thing. You could tell that Phoenix is is focused. You know, they're regular season focused. They're trying to win every game. The Nets are out there, you know, trying to figure themselves out. And before you knew it, they were down twenty. So you know, I think I think the NBA has been. The, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good young players, a lot of good, interesting teams like the Cavs. Atlanta is still interesting to me. Uh, you know, even a team like Minnesota. So there's a lot of interesting stories with young guys playing well. I think the talent is at an all-time high. But we're just missing key key players from from key teams uh, to the point where we just don't have the the you know the upper echelon teams that we thought we'd have. Yeah, no, I definitely think that is. Uh, I don't. I don't even know if I want to say it's a problem, but it's definitely a concern in terms of enjoyability in watching the league. Right? You know, Brian talks about the Lakers, and the Lakers 
Yeah, they're, they're tough to watch. The Lakers are tough to watch. You know, Brian said they're tough to watch, but I have a friend who's like, hey, I like watching them because it's a freaking train wreck. Right. I don't know what you're going to get. Murph, I thought you brought up an excellent point about Anthony Davis. We have not seen bubble Anthony Davis, right? We have not seen that at all whatsoever. And what I've noticed from watching the Lakers and Anthony Davis, and Murph brought up the points where LeBron is out and AD is looked upon to be that number one guy. What I've seen, guys, is he ain't that number one dude. Like, he can't do it. Like, he had that one game where LeBron got into the fight with Beef Stew and he rallied them and they won that and he had a pretty good performance there. Um, and then, you know, but then against again, Detroit, against by the Detroit. Way. <laughs> and, I sh- and we should mention when he played against Giannis and the Bucks, that wasn't the case. Giannis gave him the business. Giannis looked like the bona fide number one doing all the things that we thought AD should be able to do. So for me, I hear that. I hear how it's, it's been disappointing through the season. One of the things I wonder with the way things are bunched up, particularly, I agree with Brian, you got your hierarchy in the West. Then it's kind of bunched up below that in the East. It's kind of been bunched up, or people are disappointed in Nets because they haven't looked like we thought they would. And I think a lot, a lot of that's they look like I thought they would. They look like Kyrie not being there, number one. Harden looking like Murph and I were talking about this before the show, looking like he's playing in, in sand, right? I don't know what's going on there. I think the Bucks are ready to streak up. They're on a seven-game winning streak at the time we record this. They're getting hotter. It's right there for another team to take a jump and go on a winning streak. I don't know if it's the Knicks. I don't know if it's the Bulls. I don't know if the Hornets. There's a, there's another team that can do a deal. Who did you say? Did you say Dallas? Oh, <laughs> That's man. a callback from the beginning yes, of the year. I, I, remember? I remember that when you picked up. Hey, to hey, go hey, to the hey, hey, hey. Not a Chris Porzingis guy. He's been playing pretty well he's lately. Been playing, he's been, what, <laughs> I've been saying he can play good when he's healthy. He just, he just leads the league with Anthony Davis and trips to the locker room. That's all it is, but we know that he can play. I just think this, with that being said, I, I think that it's hard to look at any teams beyond what you guys mentioned. The Warriors obviously have played fantastic basketball. I'm not going to go as crazy and say like they're going to win the championship yet, but they look really good. And I'm excited for this game that we'll see tomorrow night after recording this between them and the Suns. The Suns have looked good, and I still don't even think the Suns have played that great. Murph, I know you're not impressed with the Suns. And today in the chat, you said you didn't, you couldn't even explain why. But I kind of got <laughs> what you – I understood what you meant. Like when you said it, I was like, no, I, I, I understand that. Like I understand <laughs> it. Like they're playing good. Devin Booker looks good. He's shooting a career high from downtown 40%, which is kind of crazy because I think a lot of people would have thought Devin Booker shot higher than that before, but he didn't. But something about them is just like, huh, okay, yeah, yeah it's no, nice. It's because none, cool. none of these teams are overwhelming. Like, right. I, I, you right. like people have complained about superstars teaming up and that's going to ruin the league and things of that nature. And, like, you know, some guys have gotten together, but when you look at just the league in general, if everybody were healthy, I feel like the results wouldn't be like dramatically different in some in, in some cases, because I think that the league is still close enough in terms, you know, from team to team that the separation isn't that deep. But now when you implement all the injuries and, you know, Kyrie doesn't have an injury necessarily, he just has a, a stance. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess we can call it that, right? But when you... But when you look at the teams, like what there's not much separating these guys. I really think like as we play forward, and I was saying last year, like, yo, this is kind of the season I'm worried about because this isn't after the bubble season. This is the one after the bubble season. 
So this one is like, you know, the NBA finals from 2020 were just two years ago. You know what I mean? And that was two seasons. I mean, we're not two years ago. We're just over a year ago. And that was two seasons ago. Right. Right. And those two seasons ago, it was two Octobers ago. Um, And I'm looking at all the teams. I just don't think there's a lot of separation here. So I think a lot of teams are going to be, you know, uh, trying to go for it and try to establish themselves later on. Like we'll see some trades at the trade deadline. We'll see, you know, teams like the the Warriors and the Lakers and the Heat and the Nets are going to do well in the buyout market. Uh, Milwaukee just got DeMarcus Cousins. I don't even know what to do with that, but they got DeMarcus Cousins. So we'll see what happens there. Right. Like, I think it's just going to be really interesting. And I, and last year we kind we got like a weird champion, right. Or weird finals in general that we didn't expect between Bucks and Suns because every year, and this is why I laugh when people say, yo, talent wins, talent wins. And like, it's, I understand what the point is, but it's never that simplistic. Right. Because I remember a couple of years ago, everyone was saying, yo, the Clippers, the Clippers, because they fucking stopped the Lakers and, you know, stunning on them and game one of the season or whatever. And then in the bubble, they went out there and shitted on themselves in the playoffs. And people were saying, oh, it's because the Clippers didn't want to be there, whatever, whatever. And it's like, yo, if you want to win, like, you got to fucking play wherever you're going to fucking play, right? And the Lakers ended up winning the championship that year. And the Heat ended up going to the finals. So I give them credit for that. Last year, the Bucks and Suns won. I think that if Denver were healthy or if the Clippers were healthy, they probably would have beaten the Suns. But the Suns ended up going to the finals. Shit happens. Same. Right. A lot of people say the same thing, like, "Oh, if the Nets were healthy, maybe they would have beaten the Bucks." Whatever, whatever. Well, like, yo, like the margins, the margins are going to be incredibly thin. <laughs> right. Well, right. With, with that being said, that's why you can't be going crazy even after twenty games. Like right. all that's right. all that right. tells you, right? right. Like, well, that's the key. Yeah, yeah I, I've been trying. I've been saying that all the time, and I and I realize this is not a good, you know, sports media. It's not. Good. It's not. A, good in sports media nowadays to be to say to act like this doesn't matter because every the most important thing is now at all times you have to have a hot take what what happened last night and what it means and who's the best right now but it doesn't matter right because we're only 20 something games in we don't remember do we do we remember what the standings were 20 games in last season i always make murph i always make this point it's like we never think about the shit the the fucking the 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 Nuggets just beat the Heat up again, right? The score looked close, but it was not close at all. No one's gonna remember that shit unless they play each other in the finals, which I don't think is necessarily gonna happen because I don't think the Nuggets are at least gonna get there, and the Heat are gonna have trouble getting there too. But like, we don't remember games from January eighth and November thirtieth and December tenth and all the no one fucking like no none but of this Murph, shit matters but Murph, but Murph I think you hit the nail on the head right in 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 just exactly what you said it doesn't matter as much as people think it matters we have these markers and we're talking about it now on the show 25 20 game mark 25 percent through the season right it's fine these are these are markers but it's just like you know you're driving down the road you see the mile marker but you don't remember that you're not right. thinking about the mile mark or the exit back there. Unless the food was really dope there. Something happened there. Maybe. But you don't care. It doesn't matter. You talked about, Brian, you talked about the uh, the bubble season. And you talked about how the Clippers, you know, beat the Lakers in that first game of the season. And everybody thought, oh, the Clippers have the team to yep. beat, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going to bring it back to what Murph said. Because then you bring that to the Suns. And the Suns right now, at the time of recording this, on a 16-game winning streak, be like, oh, my God, the Suns are playing so great. The Warriors are playing so great. Why not matter? I mean, I'm not saying this happened. Maybe the Nets get their act together. Maybe the Lakers get their act together. I don't know. Maybe Philly gels and things starts coming together. 
Maybe Who knows? A big trade was was right. Harden even on the Nets twenty games into the season last year? You know what I'm saying? Like probably you know, around that mark. It was right around that mark. Yeah. But so it we was don't. Early. Yeah, we, we just don't know. You know what the situation is going to be, um, and that's part of the season, right? You, you, you there are growing pains. Um, look at look at Milwaukee. I mean, they just now starting to get have all three guys together: Middleton, yep. uh, you know, Giannis. And Drew Holiday, they just now get them together, and they they won eight straight. Um, they, they don't have the best record in in the East, but I would say they're the best team in the East. The East the East is actually interesting to me, much more than the West. I think in the West, yes, I think those first two teams right now, regular season wise, those are going to be the teams they jump. They've jumped out to too too far of a lead, and the other teams, it just doesn't look like they're going to get their act together. Um, I don't care. You know what? Even if the Lakers are healthy and LeBron is healthy, that team just doesn't fit. LeBron is thirty-seven; he's never going to be the dominant player. I was saying this two years ago, even in the bubble season, where people were saying, you know, he's still the king. Yes, he, you know, he's still a great player. Uh, he still makes other guys better, but the days of him being, you know, being able to dominate physically, other NBA guys, that was over. You know, so. You know he needed other people to step up, and now he's just he's just in a on a team that just doesn't fit. So I don't think they, I really don't think they have any chance. I I just can't yeah. I just can't see it. Um, you know maybe maybe I think their ceiling is getting the second round of of the of of the playoffs in the Western yeah. Western Conference. Now the East, look at all these teams you have in the East that are interesting. I think the Bucks are are the best team. You got then you got the Nets maybe. Not, not. I'm not going in order because I think Miami is probably the second best team in in the East. But look at Miami; they're they're inconsistent. They struggle depending on who's in and out of the lineup. Got, you know, I don't know what's up with Hero right now. He's, he's sick. Got, he's That's sick. Yeah. Non non COVID related. Non COVID related. Non COVID related. But you got Chicago. You got a was, newborn kid. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so okay. he probably you know. There's no no excuse. He's a professional basketball player. But, <laughs> but Chicago, Chicago's interesting. You gotta love Cleveland. Uh, Washington's interesting. Charlotte, Atlanta is a lot better than I think they're playing right now. I think they'll shoot up uh, the standings. So there's just so many. Boston, I think has has potential. I think uh, you know, I, I, they, you know, they have a rookie coach, but he's he he seems to be they need a uh, point guard. You know, coming into his own as a coach, getting getting a lot out of the players. So I think the East is is pretty much wide open, and you have some talented teams there. So I think that's fun to watch, but. You know, on, on the West, and I don't believe in Utah at all anymore. <laughs> I really, I really don't. And I'm a, you know, I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan, but he just doesn't have enough. I mean, you can't, you're not. You, I didn't think Bogdanovich was enough last year as to be your third option or whatever, you know, whatever he is, like your your other, really your second scoring option. And he's a year older this year, so I, I just don't see it. And we're starting to see them break down in the regular season like we haven't seen in a couple of years. So I can't see. Mm. It. It's going to be interesting. We're only 25% of the way through the, the way, season. By the way, by no the way. No need to make some crazy predictions. Yes. I, I, know, I know that these games, like we're saying that they don't matter necessarily or whatever the case may be. But I do think like some of what we're seeing from some of the players, right, like from what they established and that carries oh, on or whatever, so trends and things like that. I just want to say all I've ever said – about Bobby Portis was that he would be a good player on a good team, like have an important role, et cetera, et cetera. And this, this dude is balling right now. You know what I'm saying? 15 to 8, 28 minutes a game, 
shooting <laughs> shooting 49% from the field, 44 from three. And there's a carryover to what he did from what he did last year, where he was, in my opinion, sixth man of the year candidate and the fourth best player on the championship team. So you know what I'm saying? Well, I, got, I, I could take some more victory laps on a lot. He has had some big games this year. I've had, I've hit on a lot of fucking players, okay? A lot of fucking players so far. Bobby Porter's just one of them. I just want to say. This, I'm not going to mention Tyler Hero. You know what I mean? Man, I'm not going to mention Tyler Hero having negative this, odds to win six man of the year because he's so much of a favorite right now. I'm not going to mention any of it. This you annoyed me right now. This is the second time today I recorded an episode of NBA Exchange with my guy Andrew Goodman from Brew Hoop, who was talking about the Bucks, and he said to me, "Quote." In the middle of answer the question, I'd be remiss if I did not mention Bobby Portis as being integral to this team's success during the seven-game winning streak. Which, in my head, I said, "Oh, if only Brian Fonseca was here." And sure enough, we record this podcast, and this man had to find a way to bring up Bobby Portis once again. All I've Bobby ever said. Because people shitted on him when he was with the Bulls and the Wizards and the Knicks, especially. And I'm like, yo, Bobby Portis is a good player. He just needs to find the right situation. And he's been the fourth best player on the championship team. And now, shit, he's been the fourth best player on a championship contender another another season. So Okay. We talked too much Bobby Portis. (laughs) But keep it in the spirit of Brian, we will move on to violence. And that is boxing. Uh, I don't know if you got to see this, Murph. Did you watch uh, Tiafimo Lopez? Uh, lose to George Cambosos? Did you see this? I missed it, but I heard all about it. Uh, but I, I, I haven't haven't got a chance to re- to watch the replay. But I heard it was a great fight. I heard he supposedly the version I heard is that he didn't come prepared. Is that is that true? I I, I would say he started slow. Um, <laughs> I think he definitely like, that's a, that's an understatement. Brian's like that's an understatement. Okay, he look. definitely underestimated his opponent. There's no doubt about that. Like, if you watch this, he clearly underestimated his opponent. And listen, I want to give credit where credit's due. Before Brian goes, our uh, veteran violence aficionado, <laughs> George Cambosos, like Brian, and I know Brian loves this because Brian is Brian will will text me stuff like this. But George Cambosos. From the jump, I was like, oh, this dude's got heart. This dude came to fight. You know when somebody comes to fight and he was ready, he was prepared? This dude was prepared. This was one of these, I've been waiting my whole life for this. You know what I'm saying, Murph? He was waiting his whole life for this, and he was ready. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to get ready if you stay ready. That (laughs) man looks like he stays ready. And he caught, what was that, the second round, B, when he caught him with the knockdown? Second round or first? I can't remember. Second round, I believe it was. He knocked down Teofimo Lopez in the first round. First, the first round. The first and Murph, round. if you see this, I'll tell you why in a second. Flush, flush. I nearly jumped up. I just had sat down to watch a fight, and I jumped up like, "Oh shoot!" Because I didn't expect that. None of us expected to see Teofimo Lopez get touched like that. And you know it hurt Brian because that's his Puerto Rican brother from Brooklyn. Well, so well, well. No, he's from so, Honduras. I don't. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Sorry. So look, 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 I, I let me say, say all you guys hold on, hold on. Like, I thought he was too years ago before I looked uh, it up. And I told, I told no, I, 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 he's from Honduras. His family so, is. Shout he's out to Brooklyn. our Honduras brothers. He's from Brooklyn. So you, you got a rep for him probably. But look, let me <laughs> say this. Uh, Teofimo Lopez. Not like, after I lost. One, these motherfuckers hate each other. Okay. Mm. This was a rivalry match. Um, this has been made like several different times as I talked about on the broadcast. And then, you know, it, it kept getting delayed. And then there was. One point it was going to happen this past summer. Teofimo Lopez got COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, this has been in the works for a while. And it finally happened. 
the reason why this matters and the reason why this is being brought up here, uh, Teofimo Lopez defeated, if you remember, and you remember if you listen to this program because we talked about it, Vasily Lomachenko last October. So that was his most recent fight. And he stunned him, won a unanimous decision, a decision that Dexter and I both agreed with. We both thought that Teofimo Lopez won that fight, albeit very close. And the scorecards were very much wide in his favor, which is surprising in hindsight. But anyway, he was the WBO Super World Lightweight Champion, the IBF World Lightweight Champion, the WBO World Lightweight Champion, and the Ring Lightweight Champion. That's four of the major five, six, whatever fucking belts they have in that weight class now. I don't know. Boxing is a mess. But George Cambosos, you know why that dude is tough, Dexter? Because this motherfucker's from Australia. And Australian fighters, they're tough, generally speaking. Okay. Um, Americans eh, could be hit or miss. Um, George Cambosos was also undefeated, 19 and 0, now 20 and 0 with 10 knockouts. The thing that was interesting to me is that Teofimo Lopez came out in the first round, and you rarely see this. You, you see this more in street fights, but he throws an overhand right right away, and he threw four of them in the first 10 seconds of the fight. Okay, like he wasn't trying to set up no jab, he was just trying to knock him out because he had said before the fight, I want to knock him out in the first round. And that's where he lost because he got put down late in round yep. one because he missed and he got countered and he got dropped. And the round that he was winning, by the way, and actually catching Cambosos, 10-8 round. And then he never established a jab, never never established anything. He did put Cambosos down in round 10 and it looked like he potentially could have finished them, but he ended up not doing that. And he kept trying to go for the home run shot the entire 12 rounds and he ended up losing and he fought a stupid ass fight and he lost. I want to say something there. Murph, if you had seen it in this round 10 and Brian brings it up, he knocks Cambosos down. And I thought that was his chance. This yes. was it mm-hmm. where you had to finish him. And he didn't stay on top of him. And to give Cambosos credit, Cambosos then won the next two rounds. And I thought Cambosos was on the ropes, like done. Not literally on the ropes, but figuratively on the ropes. And he somehow bounced back. And it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Go ahead, Brian. And... Yeah, so Teofimo Lopez now has a loss in his record. This is interesting because Devin Haney is fighting soon. Gervonta Davis is fighting this weekend. Gervonta Davis is in the same weight class. He has the regular WBO title, the one that George Cambosos has a super, yeah, WBO, WBA title, rather. It's just, you know, whatever the fuck. Basically, George Cambosos could fight, in theory, Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney, one of these guys afterwards, and he wants to unify. I don't know if there's a rematch clause with Teofimo Lopez. I would like to see it again, but yo... Lesson, kids, uh, just don't fight with your emotions. Actually come with the strategy. Try to establish a jab and not try to go for the knockout because you see this happen. This is some street fight shit. In the street fight, if you go for the knockout, you're going to fucking miss, and then you're going to get tagged. Like, that's what happens. You have to come with a strategy. And Teofimo Lopez did not come with a strategy. He just wanted to bulldoze the dude because he didn't respect them. And by the time it was too late, George Cambosos had picked them apart, and he fought a good-ass fucking fight. And... Um, it was a preventable loss by Teofimo Lopez. We'll see if he learns. I don't feel like he will necessarily, but we'll see if he learns. Uh, he needs to. He needs to just really get his, you know, emotions checked in the ring, and then he'll be better off for it. But if not, then this is going to happen again and again, and that's sort of how that one goes. I don't think there's much more that needs to be said there. But speaking of boxing, there's a fight that could be coming up. And no, it is. Of, February. It is coming up. Oh, it's yes. coming up in February. Brian's excited about this. And the reasons Brian's excited about it, because there's shit talking like this. 
Who are gonna get knocked out of me? I can see right through your eyes. Well, you, do I look inside? Look, you, what, you're what, inside. What, what, what you, you've lost the fight already. Are you sure? Honestly, you. I would only think that I'm driven and I'm, I'm wanting to take no, your no, chin No, 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 no. Not at all. Are you sure? Not at all, mate. I, I can see right through you, mate. Okay. You, are, you, you are empty inside. You're all scared. Right. I'm scared. Honestly, you are. Deep down, that's you, what you're talking so much. No, I'm not. The way you're talking and going on about it. I want you to know. Yeah, I want you to know. I want you to look at me and understand that I'm going to be over with you when you're out cold. You. Okay. You're getting knocked out. You know what it's like to be knocked cut spark out, don't you? It's gonna happen again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see inside, bruv. <laughs> that is Amir Khan and Kel Brook, folks, if you're listening or watching. Uh Murph, are you here for I, I tend to think a lot of the yapping before these fights. It, it never amounts to anything. Nobody's gonna fight, but it's. I guess it's somewhat entertaining. I guess I'm kind of. I get kind of tired of boxing. Let's just see the real fights happen. Remember all this though, yapping. Remember Murph for context. This has been six years in the making or so, mm-hmm. because for mm-hmm. for whatever reason they couldn't get the business taken taken care of, and then what ended up happening was, uh, Kel, uh Amir Khan rather decided to fight. Canelo Alvarez move up from welterweight all the way to middleweight. He got knocked spark out, as Kell Brook said. And then <laughs> Kell Brook went up to middleweight from welterweight to fight Gennady Golovkin. And he also got knocked spark out. And then he fought Errol Spence and lost again. And both those guys, like, they're not where they were before. They're still very good, but they're not where they were before. They had a press conference before that I sent it to Dexter. They were arguing who had the better loss of Terrence Crawford, basically. <laughs> Amir Khan was like, you got knocked out by a jab pussy whatever the case may be, like all this shit. But yeah, I I give you all this background. I mentioned that these guys are kind of past their primes, but they hate each other. And this is five, six years in the making, probably five, six years too late. But I mean, are you interested? Yeah, I'm interested in, and you know, I mean, if you're, if you're a boxing fan, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to go undefeated. Very few people do, you know, there are good boxers who take two, three losses still, you know, still could make uh, for an entertaining fight. And I love the trash talking back and forth. Um, you, you know, you, I mean, it's entertainment. You got to love that. You know, this, he's he's using a line uh, I can see right through you. How many times? I've heard too many boxers say that while they're, <laughs> while they're trash talking. I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. Find, find something new to say, man. You know what you I'm saying? Can, I, I can it, see right through you. The, the, they do that kind of stuff. They do that, like the the sitting down things. Like there's been different variations, variations, and there's so many names. <clears throat> the UK though, the UK does it really well. The UK does a lot of things better than us, but the UK does that one really well. HBO used to do a great job of it. RIP HBO Boxing. Miguel Cotto, yes. Antonio Margarito before the second time. Oh my god! Like they've had some really, they've had some really good ones. By the way, you mentioned the record. Uh, the records are actually very good. Kelbrook, 39 and three, 27 knockouts. Uh all three losses by knockout, by the way. Uh, Amir Khan, 34 and 5, 21 knockouts, four out of the five losses by knockout. And the thing with Amir Khan is he gets knocked out fucking silly. Like when he gets knocked out, <laughs> like you, <laughs> you can look up the compilations. There's Breedis Prescott, there's Danny Garcia, there's Canelo Alvarez, who Man, I, like, oh, the Alvarez knocked The Alvarez one, <laughs> he 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 took a while to get up from. Um, the Lamont Peterson was the decision. But see, all, all and then this, Terrence Crawford is the most recent one. All, all this stuff to say, this is the, the, but in talking about this in this fight and watching the clip, and it's hilarious and like the talk and all that. Boxing, 
always shoots itself in the foot, taking too long to make the matches right. that people actually want to see. Yeah, this should have happened that's a while what's, ago. That's what's disappointing with the sport sometimes to me. I've talked about that in this podcast. So, yeah, it's just disappointing. But I'm here for more shit talking, especially if you're going to be right up in each other's face like that. like Because <laughs> it's just a threat that somebody might get up and come with the overhand right. Maybe. We know I'm, it's not. We know it's not going to happen. We'll I, I will. I will absolutely be watching. Of course, you will be. Yeah, of yeah. I mean, look, look, look. I I haven't seen as many fights this year as yeah. Brian Brian sent me five on five MMA fights <laughs> the other day in Poland. Five, five in Poland. Yeah, it was five on five in one octagon or whatever. That shit was incredible. Mm. I I think that's too much though. That's pretty yeah. good. I've always wanted to see tag team boxing just to see how it would go. But five on five MMA is like that's crazy. That's that's no, nah, that's not. It, it, it was it was crazy. And you could All you right. could just you could just fuck up whoever like in the five on five. You know, yeah, you're not restricted to one guy. Uh, well, apparently, I didn't sit around and listen for the rules. <laughs> I just kind of saw the clip and was like, "Oh, this is cool. Let me send this to like four other people." By the way, by the way, Gennady Golovkin fighting uh, later this year, right before New Year's Eve, on like a Wednesday because he's fighting in Japan or something along those lines. Huh. Uh, so yeah, I mean there there are some fights coming up. Just you know. Not really huge ones, but Javante Davis this weekend against Isaac Cruz, uh, Isaac Cruz Gonzalez. We'll we, know you, we know you'll be watching because you love the violence. That's all the time we have for this edition of the A Hotel Podcast, episode 203. Thank you to our guest, Jamal Murphy. Catch him on the Bros Pod. Also catch his work on the Undefeated. Brian will be watching boxing. Everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Continue to follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Support us with the Patreon. Got to give us some bread to keep creating this good content. No, we need that. So, for Jamal Murphy, Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Yes, Until next time, y'all. Peace.